Episode 69 Gardens grow quietly while our roads are torn up all over town. May flowers. Greetings and welcome into the Patuxet General. I am your host, Jess. This is episode 69. We have an epic brownie recipe, a sexy cocktail, as well as a local ghost story and history of Sprague Manor. But first, I must thank our Patreon subscribers. These saucy folk ride tandem bikes like pros. Their ping-pong, connect-four, chess, checkers, tennis, and horseshoes are exquisitely transcendent. Their rowing team and group frisbee golf games also epically stimulating drawing us to a tide-riding climax that is the Patuxet General, without whom we would be asleep. If you would like to become one of these randy folks, check out our Patreon page or follow the links in the show notes. Until then, want to make some brownies? In 1991, I returned to Patuxet Village from Germany. Desperate for work, I applied for everything I even thought I could do. So when my sister called and said that her boss was looking for a baker, I agreed without hesitating to the long list of baked goods, most of which I had never heard of, let alone tried to bake before. I had two days to figure it all out and get it delivered to the restaurant. Three kinds of pie, tiramisu, banana bread, zucchini bread, biscotti, cannolis, and brownies. It took an incredibly long time, and I got the job, but all he ended up wanting on a regular basis were the biscotti, cannolis, and brownies. It got around town that I made a good brownie, and soon the orders were rolling in, and it didn't take long until the only thing I could bring to parties were brownies. I changed cafes, but still the brownies. Now we are a pop-up general store, but still the brownies. So for you, constant listener, please enjoy this recipe for brownies. You will need... One large glass casserole dish or sheet pan. Eight ounces Baker's unsweetened chocolate. One and a half cups butter. 4 cups sugar, 6 eggs, 2 teaspoons vanilla, and 2 and one half cups flour. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. No hotter. Burned brownies are nasty. I have always used a 2-quart saucepan to melt the chocolate and butter together, the butter on the bottom, to keep the chocolate from sticking. Whisking the entire time on medium-low heat is key. I am also careful to use a cold pan and a cold burner to slow down the melting. If this method is too scary, you could use a double boiler or, heaven forfend, a microwave. However, I like to use the one pot for mixing, so not only does everything go faster, but is also easier to clean. Once the chocolate is mostly melted, remove it from the heat and continue to whisk it until it is fully melted, and then stir in the sugar. When mixed, add the eggs and vanilla. Finally, stir in the flour. When incorporated but not overmixed, pour the batter into a cooking spray prepped pan, and then bake for 30 minutes or until a toothpick comes out with fudgy crumbs. Do not overcook. Like I mentioned before, burnt brownies are nasty. Give them at least 45 minutes to cool, then cut them while washing the knife in between cuts to make the edges sharp. And if this isn't the best brownie you've ever eaten, feel free to tell me, but you won't. So enjoy. Well, here we are at episode 69's drink. Shall we talk about provocative drinks? There is quite a list of sexy drinks like the hanky-panky, the leg spreader, creamy sex on the beach, 
ankles in the air shots, afternoon delight, and the obvious sexy get laid cocktail, and of course, the full Monty. But for you, I have chosen the Dirty Shirley Shots from Cosmopolitan Magazine. For this recipe, you will need one ounce vodka of your choice, one half ounce moonshine cherry juice, one half ounce grenadine, and a cherry for garnish. Combine the ingredients in a shot glass and throw one back. Simple, quick, and gratifying. Get your fill and enjoy. Looking for an opportunity to hang out with the Patuxent General crew? How about play some of those pinball machines you've been hearing about? Not to mention pizza strips to benefit the kitchen mission at the Edgewood Congregational Church. Well, check out our Gatsby Fringe Fun Fair. The fair is Saturday, May 27th from 9 until 2. There will be vendors with food and crafts, a build-a-clam workshop for the little ones, an electromagnetic pinball is going to blow your minds with all the games. Is that enough? No. There will also be a huge thrift shop yard sale. Jewelry, clothes, household goods and books. Something for everyone. The Gatsby Fringe Fun Fair takes place Saturday, May 27th at the Edgewood Congregational Church from 9 till 2 p.m. I'll be there all day serving up pizza strips from the Kitchen Mission. Bring your questions and I'll have answers. So meet us there. I want to tell you about my friend Mike and his electromagnetic pinball museum and restoration arcade. It's an all-inclusive place to relax and share anything related to modern pinball, EM pinball, and arcade games. A group of pinball and arcade fans with an addiction to games of all kinds and Lego too. $10 gets you free play on pinball and arcade games all day. You can find them at 881 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or online at www.electromagneticpinballmuseum.com. This week in our House on the Corner series, we visit the Sprague Mansion, 1351 Cranston Street, Cranston, Rhode Island. The secrets held within, both historical and supernatural, have mystified visitors for many years. The Cranston Historical Society had this to say. A man named William Sprague built the Sprague Mansion in 1790. Mr. Sprague made his fortune in textiles, becoming the first manufacturer of cotton fabric in calico pattern print. After the death of William, the home and family business were left to his two sons, Amasa and William II. Amasa became the business's overseer, while his brother, William II, went on to follow a life in politics. They were the richest men in America in Civil War times. On the day of New Year's Eve, 1843, Amasa's badly beaten body, which included a gunshot wound in the arm, was discovered. Although there were no witnesses to the crime, there was a family to blame the murder on, the Gordons. At the time, there was much prejudice against the Irish. Nicholas Gordon, an Irish immigrant, owned a small pub near the Sprague factory. Workers frequented the pub and drank a pint or two of brew. The Sprague's were infuriated with the mere thought that their employees were drinking on the job. 
Amasa had the city council revoke Nicholas's liquor license, although it said there was no reason to do so. A woman who kept confusing the brothers' names was the main prosecution's witness. Despite the lack of evidence, John was found guilty for murder and hanged. A few years later, evidence was uncovered that indicated Amasa's brother William was the killer. Paranormal activity has been reported in this home since the early 1900s. People have felt strange presences, heard phantom footsteps on the stairs, and saw eerie reflections in the cupola. People have reported feeling that the antique dolls are staring at them. And the first apparition, to be added to published reports, was that of a man walking down the staircase of the house. The man is believed to be William Sprague I, Amasa's and William's father, who died after a chicken bone was caught in his throat, or Kate's son William, who committed suicide when he lost his job in 1890. This same apparition has been seen in the wine cellar and is believed to be responsible for cold gusts of air in that area. In 1968, a caretaker who was living at the house at the time held a seance. During the session, the caretaker reported making contact with two spirits, that of Amasa Sprague and a former butler named Charles. They used to be the family's butler, whose daughter was supposed to marry one of the Spragues, but the man married someone else. It is reported that the seance ended when the Ouija board began to repeatedly spell out the words, My Land. At this point, the caretaker asked one more question, inquiring what these restless souls needed so that they could find peace. The answer he received? Tell my story. And I suppose we are. The Cranston Herald has this to say about the paranormal investigations that have occurred in this building. It has been long rumored that Sprague Mansion is haunted, but after decades of whispers on the building's spooky history, the Cranston Historical Society has their proof. Investigators from the Rhode Island Society for the Examination of Unusual Phenomena, or Rise Up, recently spent a night at the mansion and were pleased by their findings, which were revealed to the Historical Society Vice President Alex Elam Fatano and board member Adele Napolitano last Wednesday evening. Both people say that they have had mysterious experiences at the mansion recently. Napolitano recalls that one evening, after spending a few hours cleaning the interior, she and Amalfitano sat down at the dining table to take a break. Napolitano recalls that one evening, after spending a few hours cleaning the interior, she and Amalfitano sat down to the dining table to take a break. Directly above them, they heard a loud banging that was so strong that it shook the chandelier overhead. When they went upstairs to investigate, they could not find a reason for the sound. More recently, as the two entered the house, they said they heard someone running up the stairs. They knew no one else could be there because they had just disarmed the alarm when they entered the house. That was the only time we got spooked, Napolitano said. Sprague Mansion's first documented experience with the paranormal happened in 1921, when a woman residing in the home said she felt someone touch her while she was in the wine cellar. There have been numerous accounts since. And this is not the first time the Historical Society has invited ghost hunters to investigate the mansion. In 2006, the famous Rhode Island TAPS team, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, 
investigated the mansion, but fell short of producing solid proof that the mansion was haunted. The Rise Up team, however, presented Napolitano and Amalfitano with three electronic voice phenomena and a video recording of an unexplained black mist. Rise Up investigator Tom Stewart said that the EVPs were classified into three categories. A Class A EVP is a clear recording with no dispute about what is being said. A Class B EVP is less clear and open for interpretation. A Class C EVP is inaudible, but has the characteristics of human speech. He used the analogy of a dog whistle that cannot be heard by the human ear, but if the whistle is recorded, the recorder plays it back at a frequency that we can hear. During the investigation, while in Kate Chase Sprague's bedroom, the team asked aloud if anyone present was a member of the Sprague family, and a low female voice responded, Yes. At another point in the investigation, while in the governor's bedroom, another Class A EVP was recorded. It was the voice of a young child repeating, Mommy, 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 in a sing-song pattern. And the last recording occurred in a guest bedroom and is considered a Class B EVP. It was in response to the question, Where do you come from? The answer was not entirely clear, but some thought they heard Scarborough. Amalfitano said that most of the furniture in the mansion came from Sprague's summer home near Scarborough Beach. Rise Up also showed them video evidence of a black mist recorded in the wine cellar. Stewart said that some of the investigators had personal experiences while investigating the mansion. For example, one of the investigators saw a shadow move from a doorway into the hallway, but it could not be documented. The investigators said that it's not uncommon for their findings to be met with skepticism, but they try to approach their work with an open mind. We go into every house objectively. We don't go thinking a house is haunted, Stewart said. And for their part, Napolitano and Amalfitano are very happy with the Rise Up team and the results of their investigation. The results didn't shock me because I knew from personal experience that something was there, Amalfitano said. And finally, also from the Cranston Herald, this detailed account of the spooky history of Sprague Mansion by Mary R. Kennedy and Michael E. Bell, Ph.D. Who or what is haunting Sprague Mansion? For many years, this historical mansion, now the home of the Cranston Historical Society, has had a reputation for being plagued by unexplained phenomena. In 1967, when the Cranston Historical Society, led by Robert and Viola Lynch, purchased the Sprague Mansion, they didn't know that by saving the mansion from being destroyed for a high-rise building to house the elderly of the city, that they had also acquired something that wasn't listed in the deed ghosts. When the Cranston Historical Society took over the mansion, it needed a great deal of repair, which the members were happy volunteering to do. One member volunteered his time working in what would become the doll room, no longer in existence, which was a very small closet-like room that houses some creepy-looking dolls and marionettes. One evening, in 1968, the volunteer saw something white and filmy in the doll room and from then refused to work alone in the tiny enclosed room. Another encounter was witnessed by both Kennedy and Bell as they captured photos of a doll's eyes move on camera. The problem is, the eyes were painted on. 
The wine cellar in the mansion has also been the site of frightening occurrences, including eerie glowing orbs. One night, reported Bell, a woman's figure had been sported in the cupola, the highest point of the mansion, which is featured in 2007 on the sci-fi channel show Ghost Hunters. But now, oddly enough, many people believe the spirit who haunts Sprague Mansion is not even a member of the family or associated with the Spragues. The legend of Charlie the Butler began when Bob Lynch Jr. and some of his Brown University classmates were doing night watchman duty in the mansion in 1967, right after it was purchased by the Cranston Historical Society. The young men said strange things happened to them at night while they were trying to sleep. Blankets were thrown off their beds, but each claimed they had not been joking around. They constructed a makeshift Ouija board, a device that supposedly allows spirits to communicate with the living by spelling out words. Tell my story is what the Ouija spelled out under the fingertips of the young men using the planchette. Charlie's reputation has spread, and now he has his own Halloween party at the mansion each year. Apparitions in white have appeared to the partygoers, and many claim to have been touched by a very cold hand. Could this be the ghost of Amasa Sprague? Or William II? Or Lucy Chase Sprague? Maybe it is William II's son, Byron. After he sold his shares to his business to Amasa's two sons, the business became more profitable than ever. But Byron received no benefit from his good fortune. Or it could be his daughter, Mary who died at the age of 10. With these candidates, there may be several different spirits inhabiting different areas of the mansion. After all, strange things have been experienced in several different parts of the house. I suppose there's no way of knowing unless you go there yourself. So check out Sprague Mansion in Cranston. Thank you once again for joining us here today at the Patuxent General. If you'd like to reach out for any reason, perhaps an order for our pop-up general store, or to find out local events, our email is jess at patuxentgeneral.com. Please reach out. We can't wait to hear from you. But until then, I'll meet you right back here next time at the Patuxent General. Something for Posterity Production, pre-recorded in Patuxent.